Fashion freaking matters. It matters to the economy, to society, and to each of us personally. Faster than anything else, what we wear tells the story of who we are or who we want to be. Fashion is the most immediate and intimate form of self-expression. Now, that is actually from Francis Corner's Why Fashion Matters, albeit slightly ad-libbed by myself. But this quote in a nutshell is why I love fashion. My name is Annalise Days and welcome to Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? The eight-part series that is all about the F word. I talk about my 20 plus years working in the fashion industry, including my two-time brush with a certain reality show. I'll be your own personal hype girl, giving you practical advice on how to make it in fashion. Whether your runway is the kitchen, the office, or your local high street, I dish out my own dose of look good, feel good philosophy while discussing topics and dynamics that are super important to the fashion industry. Welcome to Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? And today I'm talking about a topic that is huge, and that is fashion and confidence. The relationship between these two is why I aim to encourage women to have fun with fashion and why I firmly believe that fashion is so much more than just clothes. Dressing with confidence is more than just putting on the latest trend. We have to remember that fashion is a language, and while some people can read it fluently, others struggle to decipher even the simplest messages. But I really do believe that if you learn how to speak this language, you'll be able to send powerful messages about who you are and what you stand for. First, let's try and understand what personal style is or as some may call it, style personality or signature style. It's simply the way in which an individual chooses to present themselves through clothing and accessories. Finding your style personality can be a bit of a journey, and it can evolve across your lifetime as you hit different stages in your life. But once you find it, it can be so rewarding, as not only will you have confidence in the fashion choices you make, but that confidence will translate to others as you swish about your daily life. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of grouping and defining areas of personal style, as I believe that most of the time these groups are going to overlap, almost like a Venn diagram. And also, a lot of people choose to dress differently on various occasions to emphasise different aspects of their identity. But if you are just starting out on the journey of finding your style personality, then it can be somewhat helpful to have a starting point. And of course, the titles of these groups are not set in stone. Classic. This is someone who has conservative tastes and likes to look poised and well-groomed. She likes timeless pieces and it's all about simplicity and elegance. Her wardrobe will consist of neutrals like black, grey and beige and this person is always going to look put together even if they're off duty. I personally think that this style looks great on other women that aren't me. But here's one that definitely makes it into my Venn diagram. Dramatic. Says it all really. This style personality likes to make an entrance and be seen. Amen. She likes to create drama in her looks with statement prints, structured pieces, bold colours and elaborate accessories. More is more to this lady. Natural. This is for our boho ladies. Comfort is at the heart of this. She's easygoing and prefers a relaxed style of dressing. She values natural fibres, sustainability and is probably not going to be the biggest fan of shopping. Nothing too structured or form-fitting, and she likes easy-to-wear pieces with no fuss. She can usually pull from the classic style personality or the next one that we're going to talk about, which is romantic. 
Again, it's all about the flowy, fluid fabrics, florals, soft colours and leaning into your femininity with girly, ladylike elements. This woman loves skirts and dresses. The words delicate, whimsical and feminine come to mind. Creative. Okay, so this woman likes to showcase her creativity. Fashion for her is about how she feels and what she likes, rather than stick into any set rules or expectations. The aim is always to please herself with the way she dresses and often combines different styles into one look, but doesn't aim to make a statement like the dramatic style personality. She just is a statement and eye-catching without even realising it. Any two individuals who consider themselves to fall in this category could have very different styles. And lastly, urban casual. Now, this one is probably the hardest to describe, while at the same time being one of the most popular style personalities. This style tends to be led by subcultures as opposed to major trends, and is heavily influenced by sport or music. Think slogan t-shirts, ripped jeans, baseball caps, or any cap for that matter. Trainers and biker boots are her best friend. As I said, this is just a guide. Humans, and especially their style, can't be put into boxes. But I do hope that this can help you figure out generally where your style may lie. And quite simply, help you figure out what you enjoy wearing. And then not so simply, what reflects your identity and how you see yourself. Which, as I mentioned, is always evolving. But just ask yourself, what clothing makes me feel good? as wearing these pieces will help bring you confidence. For me, I pull from several of these categories. I would say that I'm a mix between dramatic, creative and urban casual. But it really does depend on my mood, where I'm going and what I'm trying to convey to others. Which brings me nicely on to fashion psychology. Yes, it is a thing. The psychology of fashion can help us understand how we feel when we wear something and why we choose certain pieces over others. I recently came across Shakila Forbes-Bell, a black author and fashion psychologist from London who released the book Big Dress Energy. Awesome title. It speaks to my soul. In the book, she translates the fundamentals of fashion psychology and gives us practical advice on how we can harness these principles to upgrade our looks and dress in a way that feels authentic to us. It's a must read with fashion nugget after fashion nugget of useful info. She's the one who introduced me to wear a pee. Yes, the act of wearing clothes to honour or alter your mood. I knew this was a thing, but I had no clue it had a name. Dawn Karen, another fashion psychologist, this time American, calls honouring your mood mood illustration and altering your mood mood enhancement and believes that to style people effectively, you have to style from the inside out. In her book, Dress Your Best Life, another great title, she uses case studies from her actual clients to illustrate their life situations and then shows us how she went about implementing changes to help them dress their best life. It's a must-read too, and I'll pop the links to both these books in the show description. I would assume that most of us have heard of dopamine dressing. This is about wearing clothing that you associate with happiness, so you can feel the emotions of happiness. Dopamine being the chemical that is released in the brain as a reward when we feel joy, pleasure or happiness. We can implement this by adding a layer of symbolism to our outfits. The most straightforward way of doing this is utilising colour. Yellow has long been associated with happiness as it conjures up images of sunshine, sunflowers and overall cheerfulness. 
Of course, it's not the easiest of colours to pull off, and most people will be put off by the idea of dressing like Lala the Teletubby. But you don't have to embrace the head-to-toe look. Maybe just incorporating yellow accessories or a pop of yellow in your manicure can do the trick. But happiness is most definitely subjective and very much personal to you. You can pull from your memories, using nostalgia as a way to bring you that dopamine rush. Maybe you remember the fun you had when you wore that blue dress to the fun fair as a teenager. A study from the University of Minnesota even found that when somebody wore clothing with a positive message on, like, you are awesome, they felt happier. So definitely don't underestimate the power of your slogan tea. So let's say you're feeling a bit stressed out. Your anxiety levels are high and you want to feel calm and relaxed. You can do this through your clothing too. Shakila has dubbed this Gabba dressing, coming from the, okay, let me try my best to pronounce this, gamma amino butyric acid? Anyway, the chemical that is known for producing the calming effect in the brain. Blues and greens are going to be the best colours for this. Blue being associated with sky and the sea, while green conjures up images of nature and sits in the middle of the colour spectrum and is often associated with balance. You really can't ignore the importance of colour and how it can affect your mood and or confidence. Colour is unmatched when it comes to impacting perception through clothes. Because then we look at serotonin dressing. Serotonin being the chemical that plays a crucial part in confidence. A UK study found that two-thirds of Brits believe that the way they dress can make them feel better about themselves. I mean, I really should have called this episode Fashion and Psychology, because it really is about how clothing can change your thinking and behaviour. You've heard the term power dressing. Dressing so that not only that you feel powerful, but that you present as powerful to others. Another study conducted by the University of Minnesota found that people who dressed more professionally were perceived as being more competent than those who dressed less professionally. This is because dressing well helps you feel more confident about yourself and your abilities, which then projects onto others as well. They don't call it a power suit for no reason. There's plenty of reasons. Power dressing as a concept was made popular in the 1980s as women forced their way into boardrooms of the corporate world. In an attempt to be taken more seriously, women often adopted more masculine ways of dressing in these traditionally male-dominated spaces. Now, if I think about the 80s and iconic fashion, nothing stands out to me more than shoulder pads which are definitely making a comeback, by the way. Anyway, shoulder pads give the illusion of broader shoulders, and a 1997 study confirmed that there was a perception that the broader the shoulders, the more testosterone you appear to have, therefore making you look more masculine. As we already know, dressing more professionally, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, makes you look more competent, although politicians are quickly killing that theory. Anyway, there is also research to suggest that you are more likely to win a negotiation if you are wearing a suit, as the person you're negotiating with will see you as more authoritative and it will decrease their own perception of social power. So we can see why tailored suits teamed with shoulder pads was, and in some instances still is, the look. And it's no wonder that women felt they had to adopt this style in the office. I mean, I personally see the shoulder pad statement as a sign that you're not afraid to take up space, and that in itself is pretty powerful. 
I also feel my most confident when I'm in bright colours. However, that does go against the traditional theory of power dressing, which sees darker colours as more impactful in the corporate world. But we're not all in the corporate world, are we? Maybe you're a single mum who needs to negotiate with their ex, or a creative who needs to get that studio space. Red could be the colour for you. Let's face it, red is a powerful colour. Some call it the colour of champions as its psychological effects make you better, faster and stronger. And that's got to equal confidence, right? Apparently, athletes wearing red outperform those wearing any other colour. It's not really known why this is, but some psychologists say it's because wearing red quite simply gives you confidence, while others say that the colour red makes people look more dominant and aggressive, which can make opponents subconsciously fearful. Of course, red is associated with love too, but more specifically representing sexual power, making you look more desirable and increasing your level of perceived attractiveness. However, interestingly, studies show that this effect only works when men are viewing women. In Dawn Karen's Dress Your Best Life, she quotes studies that show that women who wore red in bars were approached more by men than women wearing any other colour, and that men left higher tips for waitresses wearing red tops, while women's tipping was completely unaffected by the colour of the tops their servers wore. Hmm... Red is also one of those colours that people tend to shy away from because they say it doesn't suit them. In my case, it's just not one of my favourite colours, but I honestly do believe that there is a shade of red for everyone, and this is the same with most colours. Shade is definitely important, especially as it can change your associated emotions. Of course, there's lots of colour analysis professionals who will tell you what colours look best on you and which ones to avoid, taking into account your skin tone, hair colour and eye colour. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you like it, whether that's a colour, silhouette or style, wear it. Screw the rules. Some people actually get their confidence from throwing out the fashion rulebook, while others get it from luxury designer items. And there is nothing wrong with that. I completely understand how purchasing designer items can bring a sense of accomplishment. Luxury bags make you feel more pleasant, make you dream big, give you confidence and show your neighbours you're doing well. This was said by Karl Lagerfeld. Now, I'm not saying I disagree with him. Bags, especially designer bags, do put a smile on my face and I do get the feeling of gliding with confidence as my mulberry base water is tucked into the crooks of my arm. But there's something about that last bit that is very keeping up with the Joneses. I might be naive in saying this, but my designer purchases, most of which came from sample sales, are for me to reinforce to myself that I'm doing well, or at least to reinforce again to myself that I deserve nice, aka expensive things. But deep down, I know he was onto something. Humans, despite not being birds, like peacocking, showing off as they know they'll get treated differently and there's studies to actually prove it. There's research to suggest that people are more docile, polite or engaging when confronted with luxury items. A 2011 study had participants walk around a public area with a clipboard and approach shoppers to try and get them to stop and answer a few questions. These participants either wore non-branded jumpers or a designer Tommy Hilfiger one. The results were rather shocking. 
as only 13.6% of shoppers stop for participants in the non-branded jumper. And the figure jumped to 52.2% for participants wearing the designer jumper. This one blew my mind, as I'd like to think that the only things that get me to stop for one of those street charity donation collectors is an impressive intro line teamed with me being in a good mood and having time on my hands. Basically, the stars aligning. But apparently not. There are many more studies to indicate that wearing designer items improves your chance of being treated better. This comes down to the way that we perceive luxury items, and more importantly, how we subconsciously view people who wear luxury items. But there's also some possession-defined success at play. This is what Shakila's old psychology professor, Adrian Furnham, calls it. And it's similar to like what I said about my mulberry. It reinforces to me that I deserve nice things, aka I wear luxury, therefore I am luxury. I've always been a believer in faking it until you make it. Like pretending to have confidence, even if the truth is that I'm quaking in my boots. This is partly why during my time on Britain's Next Top Model, I was labelled as being cocky and arrogant. But I'd rather be accused of that as opposed to being seen as timid and unsure, especially in a ruthless modelling competition. Anyway, I believe that this pretense can be used as a manifestation tool. It's like smiling when you're not particularly happy in order to feel happier. I have been known to swan around the ground floor handbag department at Selfridges, sashaying into the various designer boutiques trying on ridiculously expensive handbags that match my outfit of the day. Asking the retail assistants with chest if it comes in any other colours, sizes or fabrications. Definitely giving off the impression that they may have just secured themselves a sale, when in fact I have no intentions of purchasing. Why? Well, first off, I enjoy it immensely, but second of all, because it sends out the right message to the universe. It helps me vibrate on the right frequency of, I can afford this, I deserve this. It's the basics of the law of attraction. I also keep this in mind with the way that I dress. Costume designer Edith Head famously once said, you can have anything you want in life as long as you dress for it. Ask yourself, what kind of lifestyle do you want to lead? What do I aspire to be and how would that person dress? And do your best to reflect that image. Yeah, it might feel a bit silly at first, especially if the jump is more of a leap. But I believe that even little steps towards this can help you build confidence in you as a person and also build confidence in the fashion choices you make. As far as I'm concerned, the entire purpose behind fashion is to express your true self. So pay attention to what you're feeling in the wake of reaching for the same old grey tracksuit bottoms with holes in and try not to get intimidated because there's no wrong answers. Fashion is subjective and you are the unique factor. As Yves Saint Laurent once said, over the years I've learned that what's important in a dress is the woman who's wearing it. Fashion psychology goes far beyond the few points I've mentioned today, and I just find the topic so interesting. Communicating with your clothing, taking control and choosing how you want to be perceived and the aspects of your identity that you want to emphasise. There is something truly empowering about that, and I think that everyone can benefit from knowing just a few basic principles.
That's exactly why I can't just leave it here. In the next episode of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? I'm going to be talking to Shakila Forbes-Bell herself, author of Big Dress Energy, so we can dive into this topic even further. So you know what time it is? It's fashion flashback. And I wanted to cover an item that has a reputation for increasing a woman's confidence as soon as she puts it on. And that is the wrap dress. The wrap dress is identified as a dress that has a front closure created by wrapping one side across the other and can be fastened or tied at the side or back to form a V-shaped neckline. The wrap-over neckline, which closes to the right side, originated in China and can be traced back to the Shang Dynasty, 1600 to 1046 BC, before spreading to other countries like Korea and Japan. These wrap-style garments were tied with a sash and eventually influenced the design of the kimono in Japan. This influence moved across the seas as European and American designers started to become fascinated with China, Japan and other Asian cultures. In June 1913, American magazine Ladies Home Journal published a story titled The Chinese Summer Dress, which featured sketches from designers. They mentioned that designers are looking towards the East to create clothing that would be unique and new, yet fit in with present-day needs and environments of the American woman. Elsa Scaparelli was just one of the first designers credited with her interpretation of the wrap dress in the 1930s. She claimed that she took inspiration from aprons to develop a flattering and flexible silhouette for all body types. Early versions of her designs were tied at the waistline, made from silk, and some had buttons down the side. But she didn't need the wrap dress to make a splash. Scaparelli was best known for her surrealist and eccentric fashion designs and witty accessories, including the lobster hat, which had a matching dress and bag which looked like a telephone. I feel like Gaga would be all over this. Another notable designer who helped kick off the wrap dress trend was Charles James, who was known for his highly sensual designs and cuts that accentuated the female form. His first iteration of the dress was designed in the 1930s and spiralled around the body with a zipper across the torso. James called his design the taxi dress, as he wished to design a dress that women could easily slip in and out of taxicabs in. So as you can see, the wrap dress was always designed with the comfort of women at the forefront, while allowing them to express themselves. But it was Diane von Furstenberg's reinvention of the wrap dress in the 1970s that truly catapulted the style to popularity. It's her name that is synonymous with the wrap dress, and what indeed made her a household name. She toured around America helping women to tie their own wrap dresses, and helping them understand how they could empower themselves through fashion. Her version was long sleeve and made using colourful jersey fabric. It became so popular that by the end of 1975, production had reached 15,000 dresses per week. But did she ever get tired of talking about the wrap dress? She said she did, and for many years she resented it, always saying, but I do so many other things. She eventually accepted the recognition, seeing how her dresses made women feel and reinforcing that her brand was and is about the relationship she has with women. To quote Diane von Furstenberg herself, she said, My message is always to tell women that they can be and should be the woman they want to be. 
What we do is celebrate freedom and empower women and sell confidence because in the end, it's confidence that makes you beautiful. There really is something remarkable about how a wrap dress can grow with a woman's body. The fact that it's easy to wear, versatile and timeless, ticking all the boxes of a best-selling garment. I just love how it can make women of all shapes and sizes feel amazing. Connecting them with their womanly figures, cinching in that waist for definition, and in some cases, creating curves where there were none before. The wrap dress is clearly not just a piece of clothing. It's an empowering feminine statement that is still just as iconic as it was some 40 years ago. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Oh My Days, What Are We Wearing? where I tackled exactly how I believe fashion can bring you confidence. It's a topic that is extremely close to my heart and I'm very passionate about it. So passionate that I couldn't just dedicate one episode to it. So next time, we're jumping in even further to the world of fashion psychology as I interview author and fashion psychologist Shakila Forbes-Bell. Yes, it is time to get that big dress energy. So please do subscribe to this podcast, tell a friend, share on socials, and let people know about, oh my days, what are we wearing?